Good evening, everybody. If you can hear me, let me know you can hear me. get down to business father we thank you father we thank you father we thank you if you can hear me let me see you giving god some thanks 
Let me just see you giving God some praise through your comments and lift the words of your lips to God right now. Just tell him thank you. Hey, Madam Anneliza, it's been a long time I saw you. I hope you're fine. Oh, and Jessica, it's been a long time I saw you. How is what's that place again? Vota region, how is Vota region? Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Everyone say, Father, in the name of Jesus, say, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercies. And I thank you for your special grace that you have released over my life and my family. Say, Lord, I'm grateful. Lord, I'm grateful. Lord, I'm grateful. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Alright, let's hear God's word briefly and let's see how we can do some prayer. This morning I couldn't pray. I couldn't lead prayer. Or I couldn't come online myself because I was very tired. I was very tired and the network wasn't also good. very tired. I had a very busy activity yesterday. So <clears throat> that had an effect on me. All right. Are we ready? Merci, Lord. Merciful Lord. So we are looking at the topic establishment, Second um, Chronicle twenty verse twenty, the B part of it. We have been looking on this script um, topic since is our central theme for the year. It's important that we actually understand what we are running with in through the year twenty twenty four. So if you have not listened to any of the teachings on establishment, kindly go back to the podcast and you'll find it there. Second Chronicle 20, verse 20. Please those getting my scriptures, run very fast with me so that we can get on what we have to do. Second Chronicle 20 and verse 20. There's somebody online listening to me now. You had a dream 
recently and you were crying in that dream seriously crying you were seriously crying in the dream i don't know what happened as if somebody something happened to somebody something was lost somebody died i don't know but you were crying and um i'll get back to it i'll get back to it tracy okay what 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 happened in the dream what i just got that vision in his flash oh lord be merciful what was what do you do you recall what it was about did he have anything to do with your child or you baby was stolen all right because while well, this one must give you anything to do with your child the moment i was just talking suddenly i saw that i've held my baby and i was shouting i'm like but there's nothing wrong with her god said no it's not you there's somebody online who had a dream and the person is crying the dream something is about to happen so I was asking if you have anything to do with your child because the vision God brought to me, God brought it through my baby. God brought the vision through my baby. You see, those of you that are in school of ministry and admins, I hope you people are learning. So I could have just started praying irrelevant prayer. All right? If I'm not able to direct the visions, I would have started praying irrelevant prayer for my baby when the person that they have a program for is a different person so the thing will not happen ah, we didn't see it but it came in a parable all right it came in a parable so there are times if you are a matured christian even if you are immature it will happen to you there are times suddenly you are there you left the house you were fine these are all part of hearing the voice of god you left the house you were fine but the moment you entered a taxi Okada, boat, whatever. The next thing you realize is that you begin to have migraine. You begin to have toothache. You begin to have back pain. It is not you. 99% of the times, God is talking to you with the easiest way you can understand that either the person you are going to meet is having that pain or the driver carrying you is having that pain or the person sitting next to you is having that pain. So if you don't understand, what you do, you start looking for drugs and you will take drugs, it will never work. You will not go and start praying. And most times, if God talks to you like that, you will not be 90, okay, let me say 60% of the times, yours will never go until the person that have the real problem is healed. So it is your duty to find out and pray for the person, it will go. If the person own does not go 60% of the times, you too will be having the same migraine or whatever the problem is still any time the person gets healed that is when you are free it's part of the burden particularly those who find themselves with the healing gift it's part of the suffering that they go through it happens to me a lot i can just stand close to you and i begin to feel some kind of pain on my stomach it's a sign that the person had gone through cs before or is about to go through CS. I can stand in front of you 
and my eyes will begin to pain me. It's a sign that the person is having an eye problem. So that is a, I'll get back. I'll pray for you in a moment, all right? The enemies are trying to launch an attack over your baby. The enemies are, are planning seriously to what I see is they want you to just become empty, that there will be nothing left for you to show for as an evidence of your commitment to God. But if God revealed it, then God has a plan to also redeem you. And as we pray tonight, the Lord is going to redeem you and redeem that innocent child in the name of Jesus. And I pray for everyone here, whatever that would make you cry this year, by the mercy of Jesus, let it be cancelled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, let's get to business. Second Chronicle 20 verse 20, the B part of it, it says, Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophet, so shall you prosper. Now, the statement that the prophet began to make in that scripture, it didn't say that this thing is optional. No, that's not what he said. He says, so shall it. This is how it happens. All right? It didn't say maybe that you will not go and try another way and all of that. No. He says, so. That is how you, are, you stand firm. That is how you are planted. That is how you are rooted. That is how you remain steadfast. Okay? By you believing in the Lord your God. And if you want to prosper, there's another principle believe his prophet okay we are looking back on the topic on establishment i told us earlier establishment means to build establishment means to actually structure something it means to lay down a firm foundation and raise on it a solid structure and i said you can't talk about establishment without looking at foundation. If you miss out in the foundation, then you've already missed out in whatever you are planning to establish, be it marriage, finance, job. So if you want to be established financially this year, start looking out for the foundational principles that leads to financial establishment. If you want to get established maritally this year, start looking at the foundational principles to get established in marriage. If you want to be established spiritually this year, start looking out for the foundational principles, which they are simply fasting, prayer, God's word, and of course, the life of purity. They are foundations for you to grow in the word or to grow in the things of the spirit. But basically, is the word prayer and fasting. They help you to grow. Okay. Now, I just want to try and make it as short as we can. Three, three points that helps you get established. Three things that you need. Today is the last Sunday of 2024. Sorry, January 2024. Today is the last Sunday of January 2024. So, um, it is important that we deal out with this topic. By next month going, we are getting it, delving into other things. My prayer for you is that 2024, you shall be established. 
whatever you start this year, you will finish it. Whatever you started before this year that is still hanging, receive grace now that you may finish it. In the name of Jesus, receive grace now that you may finish it. In the name of Jesus. Everyone say, Father, in the name of Jesus. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, as your word come, let it fall on good grounds in my heart. In the mighty name of Jesus, let your word fall on good ground. In the mighty name of Jesus. Say, Satan will not steal this word from me. Say, this word will not be choked in my heart by my personal issues. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So if you must be established, number one thing you must take note of is that you must put God first. Somebody say God first. I want to I want to see you say that or type it God first. God first. God first. If you want to be established, you must put God first. Matthew 6 verse 33 it says let's get that scripture let's not assume everybody knows it matthew chapter 6 verse 3 verse 33 sorry okonomon shepelegadesis matthew 6:33 He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So before this scripture, the Bible began to talk about our needs and um, our worries over the things we need. How we complain about what we wear, what we eat, how to get married. I love what he said specifically in verse 27 of Matthew 6. He said, which of you, can I get people who help me with scriptures tonight and be very fast? I beg you, I beg you, please. Any scripture I mention, help me get it on and as fast as possible. As fast as possible. Verse 27 says, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? So, the, what the Bible is trying to tell you, it didn't say don't think. But there are two kinds of thinking here. One is the thinking of worry. One is the thinking of planning. So the Bible is saying, if at all you want to think, don't think to worry. Rather think to plan. All right? Whenever you are using your brain, it shouldn't bring you into bitterness and sadness. Oh, how will I go from here? How will I survive? No, 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 no. That's not what he says. He said, think to plan. Think to plan. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Ephesians 3 verse 20. He said, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think, but not the thinking of worry. Okay? God hears our thoughts. And there's nothing God hears like murmuring. God hears our thought as much as God hears our prayer. But there's nothing God dislikes like murmuring. If you read the book of Numbers chapter 11, you read from verse 1 down to 5, you will realize that God killed over 
2,000 people because they began to murmur. They complained. So that means the thinking efficiency she's talking about is not actually the thinking of worry, but the thinking of planning. Okay, do you get it now? Do you get it? The thinking Paul is talking about to the Ephesians church is not the thinking of worry, but the thinking of strategic planning and strategic establishment. So let's read through that scripture, Numbers 11. And when the people complain, another word for complain is to murmur, to think sadly. All right? This time, when it gets to complain now, it has left your mind and gotten to your mouth. Okay? It has left your mind and it has entered your mouth. It has complained. You've entered the level of, of being able to voice out the grievances and the displeasures in your heart or your mind. When they complain, it displeased the Lord. All right? So God hates complain. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. My own case is that, no, listen, listen. Can we really follow God well? It is not, there's no exception. Oh, you see, her own is different. No, hmm. Her husband is maltreating her. Her own is no different. She has not been personally for the past. God hates complain of any kind. The people had a justifiable reason of complaining because they were in Egypt for 400 years. They were brought out of Egypt, taken through the promised land and difficult situation. They had not eaten any pleasant food. So if they are complaining, they are somewhat right. But God does not entertain complaining. So look at what response next. And the response God gave is this. Let's go back from verse 1. And it displeased the Lord, and the Lord had it. So God hears complaining. Let's follow step, step. It displeased the Lord, and what did the Lord do? The Lord heard their complaint. So God does not only hear your prayer. That is why you must be very careful. You can pray fervently. You come for a crusade. You come for a program online, offline. You pray fervently. You receive prophecy. When you now get back home, because of a situation, you begin to complain. When you were in church, God heard your prayer. When you came home, God also heard your complaint. And the one that is stronger is going to overpower the other. So if your complaint is stronger, it will destroy your prayer. So many of us actually pray, but before our answer comes, we have used complaint to destroy the prayer. So we never get answers to prayer. Listen, don't get me wrong. I understand your situation is tough. I understand you are going through pain. But listen, this is a spiritual law. This is a kingdom law. It does not matter what you are going through. That is how it works. So he said, in, 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 he put it like this in Philippians, in everything, give thanks. Now, Second Thessalonians, he said, in everything, give thanks to God. Paul will tell you in Philippians that in prayer and in thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. In, in, God knows things are bad. John 14 verse 1, it will, it will tell you, let not your heart be troubled. But he knows this, there are problems. If you read the book of Mark chapter um, for now, from about verse 34 to 37, the Bible said that he said to them, why are you afraid? He saw the storm about to kill them. He saw the wave about to kill them. He saw everything. But the question he was asking is, why are you afraid? What are you saying? Why shouldn't I be afraid? I'm inside the boat. Suddenly, a storm has come about to take my life. And the only question you are asking me is that why am I afraid? What kind of Jesus are you? 
You should be telling me, oh, don't worry, I'm with you. Or you should be releasing some power, throw some power in the cloud. Uh, show us your skills and all your powers. Not asking me why are you afraid. So how are you, Jesus? But that was not his approach. The issue is not what you're going through. The issue is not what you are going through. The issue is your approach in what you are going through. There is a way people in the world, when you are in the world, when you go through pain, you can cry, you can complain, you can murmur, you can say anything. But when you are in the kingdom, it is not like that. But many of us, what we do is that we carry the worldly lifestyle and the worldly approach to problems inside the church. All right? We bring the worldly life and we bring the worldly approach into the church so at the end of the day we are not receiving the help that god had promised us we are not receiving the answer we are not receiving the testimony we are not receiving the fulfillment of the prophecies that god has given to us because we are taking a wrong approach i've shared i've shared something yesterday those in the school of ministry right those in the school of ministry a young man in Ghana, I don't know if he's a young man, I guess so, shared a picture of himself in a nightclub. And this somebody, I, I started following him because I saw him do a prayer one day. He's, he's into IT, he's a, tech, he's a tech, tech guy. He's into IT. I love IT, I love IT people. And he happens to be somebody who owns an IT company in Ghana. And also somebody who I saw post things about God and prayer. I was like, wow, then I like this. I like this. So I started following him because of that one post. He made a post that was so, 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 so godly. Not religious, but godly. So I fell in love and I began to follow the guy. But just a few days ago, I saw him made a post on his wall. He shared himself in the nightclub with some drinks on his table and some ladies. I'm not judging him. I'm not judging him, but there's a way to be a Christian. If you have a weakness, hide it. The Bible said, I'm going to show us in a few moments, if by your weakness you start making others to become weak, your judgment will be special. And he says, it doesn't matter uh, whether you are a Christian, you can of, of course go to club for the sake of networking. And uh, this is, very, is an influencer in Ghana, very popular, has over 100,000 followers on Facebook, I guess. And um, a lot of you are following him. If I mention the name, some of you cry, we know him. Lord, we are following him. So he shared it that he goes to club for networking and all of that. Listen, 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 listen. Whether you go to club for networking or for MTN or for Globe or Vodafone, club is club. Clubbing is clubbing. What is wrong is wrong. If that is still your weakness, keep it away from the public eye. Don't try to tell people that it doesn't matter. If you don't do it, you are being too spiritual. You are being too religious. You can go there and convert people and bring them to Christ. Through my Bible, I didn't see a ministry in club. I'm not, I'm not judging him. No, I'm not at all. But the moment you become somebody, a Christian who is an influencer, that people, you influence people. Be careful what you post in public. Be careful what you share. Be careful what you do, because you might be leading some people astray now. The liberty you have, it could be you are doing what you are doing out of a revelation. 
Okay, you could be doing what you are doing out of a revelation, out of an understanding. Maybe God just gave you an assignment there. Okay, there's one person he wants you to bring out of there. If I am your follower, I saw you walking out of a club. I don't know what you went there to do. I don't know what God told you. Me too, I will go to club. There's a story that was shared. A, a man of God, an elderly man, was um, in his house. So he had some young guys who... Uh, part of the church force. So they went out for evangelism. So they decided to go through their papa's house on Saturday evening before they go home and give him feedback that they are done with today's evangelism. While they got home, he was seated outside under a tree with his chair and um, with a, a bottle, kind of a bottle water, a big one, the one liter with some white substance inside. And when these guys saw it, their heart just felt bitter. So they kept quiet, the man needs and uh, kept quiet. When they finished this, he was pouring the thing in the cup and he was drinking and talking to them happily and he left. While he left, they got angry. So Papa has been drinking alcohol. He had been drinking alcohol and he would tell us that no, don't drink alcohol. So the man, they, they went straight to the next palm wine joint and they bought palm wine, assuming that what the man drank was palm wine. So the next day, the man of God was preaching in mm. church and um, he began to give a story, and he, he now began to cite example. He said, like, when um, brother so-and-so-and-so came to my house yesterday after they finished evangelism, they met me at the house. Doctor um, prescribed for me I should be missing um, milk with water to drink because of certain health issues. So I would take powder milk, mix it with water, and um, get a proper mixture. We drink it. So it helps me to get up certain heartburn. And, and the guys were shocked, looking at each other like, ah. So that thing was not palm wine he was drinking. It was actually milk that he mixed with water. And they came and began to confess and began to cry. So if we don't get careful, Never let your liberty, yours could be out of a revelation. Yours could be God has pardoned you. Yours could be God has shown you mercy or pity or something. Once you allow your own liberty to make other people to sin, your judgment will be double. I'll show you scriptures. Just give me a moment. I'll show you scriptures. Your judgment is going to be double. So don't come to a point where you, listen, there's no Christian clubber. There is no Christian drinker. There is nothing like that. I just drink alcohol. It doesn't matter. I'm still a Christian. I just go to a club. I'm still a... There is nothing like that. I can show you scriptures upon scriptures upon scriptures upon scriptures. So people have asked me often, so how do you not have fun if you are a Christian? Ah, this thing is, is, is too boring. Listen, if prayer is boring to you, then you have not really tested the Holy Ghost enough. If worship and praises is boring to you, then you've not attended the right church. That's why I keep begging those that sing for me. Sing, there's a, there's a way you will sing. and will still, You don't have to sing secular song to get the fun you need. No, you can sing in church. The problem is the lyrics is not making sense to you, that's all. When, the moment you begin to place value on the lyrics, just imagine songs like Christ is my firm foundation. Just imagine that kind of song. What? I say it's not fun. Are you serious? Are you serious? Dear Lord. So what else will be fun to you? 
it, it simply means you've not actually been inculcated mm-hmm. into the brotherhood and the sisterhood of the body of Christ. You haven't. So it is club that gives you the fun. It is club that gives you the fun. You have to get, you know, get some song. Charlie, we have songs in church. You have to, you have to get some loudspeaker. We have speakers in church. No, you see, you have to get some light. We have light in church now. You see, even screen now, we brought everything. Even the smoke machine. We brought everything for you in church. So we have all of it. If it is not fun to you, I don't know what's going to be fun to you. Are you, are you following me at all? Do we everywhere is quiet? I, I'm, I'm feeling bad. Okay. Do we everywhere is quiet? I hope I'm safe. You. There is nothing like a Christian clubber. There is nothing like that. You are either not a Christian or... That is an issue you need to deal with. There is nothing like a Christian alcohol drinker. There is nothing like that. Either you have a problem or you are not born again. It's simple as ABC. There is nothing like a Christian herbalist or I'm a Christian. I can still go to Juju once in a while. There is nothing like that. Either you have a problem. You've not really encountered the Holy Ghost. Hey, you've not. And you know the beautiful thing? Listen, this is why you must get matured. There is always a scripture to defend whatever you do. All right? There is a scripture. I can, I can take alcohol now. I will drink. I will give you 10 scriptures to defend drinking alcohol. I can go to club now. I will give you scriptures to defend clubbing. I can steal now. I will give you scriptures to defend. So if you are not mature, people can interpret the Bible wrongly and fool you. And they'll take you out of the plan of God and say, yeah, me too, let's just do it. And listen, listen, can I say this to us? Can I say this to us? Can I say this to us? Be very careful who you join to do certain things. The covenant on people are different. Is that okay? Be very careful the people you join to do things. The covenant people carry is different. The people that carry a strong covenant of mercy, if they kill somebody now, God will show them mercy. They will escape it. While there are people who will kill somebody's goat, they will go to jail. There are people that will commit abortion now. I'm sorry, I'm not saying abortion is right. Please, note what I'm saying. I beg you in the name of Jesus. Abortion is a sin. The people that will commit abortion now. And God will just look, oh, this my daughter is learning. And somebody else, just thinking of it, just planning of it, the anger of God has already been released. But that grace also does not mean you have to abuse it. So you see, let me give you another uh, two examples. Somebody like Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul lived as an unbeliever for years, for years, killed Christians, did all kind of things. Yes, he became the biggest apostle. There is somebody else who became, who was also like Paul, but never got the chance to meet Jesus, never repented. They, they, are going, they are going straight to hell. And when they get to hell, if they are privileged to see into heaven, 
They will now see Paul and say, ah, Paul is in heaven. Ah, that guy. It was my leader. It was the one that recruited me into killing. God said, no, this one. There's a grace upon him from birth. If you read the book of Romans chapter 9, you read from verse um, 14, 15, 16, getting down to 17. You see the story of um, Esau and Jacob. God will say, Jacob, have I, have I loved? Esau have I hated. So from birth, God just don't, doesn't like Esau. God knew what he would, he would, the way he would behave in future. But at this time, they have not even behaved anyway. So if Esau began to look like look at Jacob to do what Jacob do, if Jacob lie, if Jacob sin, if Jacob do this, Esau tried to do the same thing. Esau would die because there's already a mark of hatred and a prophecy of hatred following him. But Jacob already have a covenant of love and mercy. So whatever he did will look like he's nice. I'm in ministry. I'm a pastor. I understand what I'm about to talk about far more beyond you. In ministry, there's something called acceptance and rejection. It is. It happens to everybody. But I've seen ministers who, what they are doing on the altar is nonsense. Some cry is even insulting people. And everybody is laughing. It, the man of God is insulting people. All the members are laughing. They are laughing. Ha <laughs> ha! Papa! <laughs> Professor! <laughs> and there's another man of God who has not insulted anybody. He's saying the right thing. Members are angry. And they leave church. They will not come back again. Just telling somebody, stop that. They will leave church. What happened is one has received the grace of acceptance and the other one has not received. So life works by graces. You must find out what works for you. Life works by graces. Let me use David for an example. If a man like David, who God said, I have found a man after my heart. All right? If such man, you do something wrong with him, God is going to just get angry with David a little and bring him back and raise him. But you, you will die and you are gone. And David is there standing and bouncing as if nothing happened. Okay? So don't use people to judge yourself. Follow God and find out what works for you. Okay? And all... The summary of it all is that every kind of sin is bad. As simple as ABC. Okay, okay. So the people complained. And um, can I get back that scripture, Numbers 11, from verse 1? Let me just take 1 to 2, 3. I'm already late in my teaching. Let's finish up. Numbers 11. All right, look at this. So when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord had it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost part of the camp. And Moses cried unto the Lord, all of that, and the Lord quenched the fire. So God released fire to burn people because of why? Somebody tell me why. Why did God send his fire to consume them? What did they do that God sent his fire for? All right. They complained. Okay. So I have a question for you. I'm glad you are the one that said that they have complained though. I have a question for you now. I have a question for you now. So do you think God now loves complaint? 
Maybe God has changed his mind. He doesn't get angry with complaint anymore. Do you think God now loves complaint? So don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. God has not changed. Stop complaining. Many of you complain more than you pray. Many of you, you complain more than you pray. If you pray one prayer, you complain 40 complain. Don't do it. Stop doing it. What do you do? Give God thanks instead. Give God thanks instead. That is how it works. First of all, how do I thank God in this situation where I'm not married? That is where thanksgiving is sweet. Pastor, how do I thank God in this situation where I don't have a job? That is where thanksgiving is sweet. That is the beauty of thanksgiving. Thanking God when there is nothing yeah. to thank him for. Then God knows your thanksgiving is actually genuine. All right. So let's get back to our message. Putting God first. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and eat righteousness. So not just seeking the kingdom, seek the kingdom, find what the kingdom is, know what the kingdom is. He didn't say the kingdom of heaven. I've thought of this before, that the kingdom of God is not the same with the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The Bible said in, um, in one of the scriptures that the kingdom of God is within you. It said in another scripture that the kingdom of God is not bread and meat, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom of God is anywhere God's life or the God life has influence in the physical world. Your office can become the kingdom of God if you are able to infest your office with the character of Jesus. Your house can become the kingdom of God. Anywhere godliness is exalted is the kingdom. So what it says in that scripture simply is that you should seek the things of God more. It's not saying you should go to heaven. No, that's not what he's saying. The kingdom of God is not the same with the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is God's abode, but the kingdom of God is heaven right here on earth. The kingdom of God is a world. It's an atmosphere of God that the way you can say the spirit realm, the way you can say I, I, I'm in the spirit, that is what it is. The nature of God amongst men, the spirit realm actively among natural men, heaven on earth leading men. That is what the kingdom of God is. It's important that we get that understanding. So he says, seek this kingdom. Make sure you live a life that is godly. Make sure you dominate your atmosphere with godliness. Let people come around you and they see, feel, and experience the thought of God. Then when you are done, seek righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Find it and seek it. He said, then all other things, cars, money, marriage, job. Listen, this is not how it's done in the world. But in the church, this is how it's done. You want to get all other things. Don't go for other things. Find God first. So that when you get all other, other things, God can protect the things for you. If not, you will get them and it will lose them. Now, when you found the kingdom, one of the things it helps you do is that you don't make irrational decisions. You don't make marital decisions carelessly. It must be guarded by the kingdom. You don't make financial decisions carelessly. It must be guarded 
by the kingdom. You don't make business decisions carelessly. Listen, I'm not saying you become over-spiritual. Because many people become over-spiritual. They will not get married until they dream about the guy. If they don't see the guy in the, in the dream, then they will not marry him. Now, let me share a story a mentor of mine shared. A woman, the daughter was to get married. Every guy that comes, she will say it's not the will of God. Every guy that comes, she will say no, it's not the will of God. Every guy that comes, she will say it's not the will of God. A particular guy came. The lady said she didn't really like the guy. And the woman is more like a prophetess. Now, carried her prophetess colleague, in quotes, prophetess colleagues, and they went to pray. And they said, this guy, Tosia the Lord, is the will of God. And they got married. Few years later, this lady, after she, she was pregnant, this guy beat up this lady, beat her, punched her almost to death. And they, she had to run back to the family house and push the lady out of the house, became pro took other women and left the lady and never came back. So was that prophecy right? Was that prophecy wrong? Now, the issue is this. When it comes to the subject of marriage, there is no person anywhere that God kept specially for you. All right? There is nobody that is one person in this world. There is one brother, James. God has kept for one sister, James's, that um, both of them must get married. There is no one... Uh, um, sister brother Moses that God has kept for one sister Moses that uh, both of them must get married. There is no one brother Francis that God has kept for sister Flourish. I'm sorry, don't mind me. That both of them must get married. No, because if God does that, now the ratio of men over women that would be partiality. Because if the women in this world is actually 500, men are like 150. So, what about the other women who are out of the ratio? Who did God now keep for them? The structure of God is that you find somebody, first of all, who is a Christian, who believes with your faith, believes with your principle, and who believes with your Christian culture, your understanding, and both of you are compatible. And that word compatible is vague. Be very careful. It's amb ambiguous. That word compatible had made a lot of people not to be married till now. We are not compatible. What is compatibility to you? What are you looking for to define compatibility? Many of us are giving ourselves irrelevant headache. Many would have been married, but they want to pray prayer first. And the prayer they are praying is not actually for God to guide their will and guide their decision. They want to see something. They have to take it to a pro A lot of people have been sending me uh, messages. And, hey, Papa, and this guy came. A lot of them, you know, have not answered you. Because I've, taught, I've given you this teaching again and again. First thing I ask you, do you like him? I don't know. Then my prayer is useless for you. I don't know. I just want to know anything God is saying. Listen, that's not how to get married. I didn't marry my wife by anything God is saying, you know. I saw her. I saw. I look at her. I liked her. I liked what I saw. It's not anything God is saying, you know. Because if God now say marry somebody you don't like, bros, after two years, eh? Two years, Christ, far. The way you run out of that marriage, you're not saying, God, I thought, please, don't do that. Don't marry by prophecy. I've said this to you again and again. What is now the place of prophecy and the will of God in marriage? The place of prophecy and the will of God in marriage is that it can help you, number one, see into the future. Okay? This guy um, in, the, in the future is somebody... 
who he doesn't have a future. This guy in the future is somebody who will die premature. This guy, so it is now left for you to decide. Not, oh, no, I will never tell anybody marry this person, except, except on very few reasons. Very few, very few. I can tell you this and this, if it is me, I won't go ahead. But it's still left for you. I've told a lot of people like that. If it is me, what I'm seeing now, I will not get married. But it is still left for you to make your decision and do whatever you want to do. Number one. Number two is that your man of God, that is why it's important to marry somebody who is close to their pastor or your pastor. Now imagine, for example, there is a guy that comes and said, I want to marry this lady. And I know this girl to be somebody who is stubborn, somebody who is lazy. Hiding that truth from the guy, I'm being wicked. Ah, this girl is good though, but she's very lazy. So if you are ready to uh, follow with the laziness, somebody will, ah, pastor, will you do that? If I don't do it, what am I pastoring for? I should. So you now decide, you know what you are carrying. And because this thing is not, marriage is not spiritual. Marriage is, is very natural. So if you go and use prophecy and get married and you enter inside and start jamming problem, bros. Yo. I'll leave this topic there. It's not part of my teaching for today. I'll leave it there. So look for somebody who you know you can do life with. Look for somebody. I tell people in a simple word, two simple words. Somebody you, you can love and somebody you can tolerate. These are two basic simple words. Anybody you can. Marriage is built on tolerance. A day we come, love will die. Not die though. It will die, not continuously. It will die off for some season. Yeah. It die off for some season. It will fade off. So if at that moment there is no genuine love and it is after tolerance, that genuine love now starts coming to get to building. Hmm? Genuine love. After I got married, I got married. My wife, it was this what I was talking to my wife. We were laughing at ourselves. After I got married, she maybe she because she works in the hospital, so it is easier for her. She she's seen all kind of um, things in labor room and all of that. For me to wear clothes, I have to go and go and change my clothes inside the washroom. Married now. I'm not comfortable changing my clothes where she is. I have to go to the washroom. I have to tie wrapper or a tie towel to try to cover myself where she is. I, I wasn't feeling comfortable. Like, what is this person not doing inside my house? What kind of nonsense is this? Is this what marriage can bring? Just go and stay one corner. If it was left with little, thank God I didn't grow up in the house where um, my father had his own room, my mother had that. If I grew up in such house, is what I would have done straight. I felt being invaded. I felt my privacy has been invaded. You have come, what? I wasn't comfortable at all. So I will go inside to go and put on my clothes and I will come out. I, when I want to go and take my bath, I carry my, my singlet and my bosses and this thing, go into the washroom. After taking my bath, I will wear it. I will not come. She will tell me, ah, who, who rubs cream with bosses on? I said, that's how I like it. She doesn't know that. I don't feel comfortable now coming out to come and rub cream like that. It feels very strange to me. I said, that's how I like it. I like to stay in just a rock cream like that. But you will not rock cream your body. I said, leave me alone. It was just, I said, last, this month I told her, I was telling her, I said, look at, look at, look at. Oh, we are laughing. 
they were laughing. But that was it for me. That was it for me. Just imagine, a, listen, this thing is a marriage, very annoying and very funny and sweet thing at the same time. It has its own mixed feeling. Somebody just finished using the uh, toilet and you now enter and the smell of the person poo is there. Me, I'm the kind of person, everything can irritate me. That's me. That is me. I, I don't understand why you will go to and poo when you know I want to go and take my bath. For what? You could have done it two hours ago. You could have done it five hours ago. You could have waited. My wife is the kind of person, she doesn't mind. She can allow you to be pooing while she's taking a bath. Or I want to take my bath and she will tell me, um, <laughs> somebody say I have to have my own bedroom. She can tell me, okay, I'll be taking your bath and let me be pooing. What? How dare you? I can't stand it. I won't be able, number one, I'll not be taking my bath, I'll be looking at you. Or I'll be perceiving the smell. Which of, I don't even know either of them that will annoy me first. Whether I'm seeing you naked in the washroom or the smell. I don't know which one will make me get angry first. I will just, for the, as we live there for the whole day, I may not be happy with you. And you don't know why I'm not happy. So, if not for tolerance, I wouldn't have. That is when it, you will not realize that this person is chewing food loud. This person is chewing food too loud. That's why you now realize this person is snoring. That's why you now realize that this person um, does not, if you now grow up from the family where they greet in the morning, good morning, ma, good morning, sir. Your wife is not greeting. You are now one traditional man, so my wife cannot greet. Eh. Oh, you are this disrespectful. Okay. So maturity, tolerance now comes in, and I can tell you this again and again. I now love my wife even more than when I first met her because of tolerance. So this is where a lot of marriages get broken. They are not able to tolerate certain things. They are not able to tolerate certain things. So automatically, the love now begins to fade out by the day. So all those first love at the wedding day, first love, uh, I touch you, I touch you, I touch me. I can't wait for us to be on the same bed. Listen, the moment you are in the same house, you will start seeing things you hate about each other particularly the moment honeymoon is over. You start, from honeymoon, problem starts, Kra. Many persons divorce from honeymoon. Problem will start. Why did you brush uh, with the left hand? Why didn't you remove the plate? Why did you wash in the plate? Why did you cook in the distance? Why did you leave your bossa on the floor? Why did you leave your cloth? That was where fight began from. But with tolerance, you will see these things, not because you are happy. All you need to do is to be calm by tolerance. And by maturity, you address it in a different way. By maturity, you know what to keep quiet on. By maturity, you know what to laugh about. And after the laughter, everything goes by. And as the day goes by, through tolerance, next time you see it, okay, you get to a point, you know, that's okay, this is how this person really is. Uh, I see, no problem. So either you try to teach the person to change or you learn how to accommodate it and time begins to go like that. And as the day goes by, both of you, so you now see husband and wife now look like husband, brother and sister because they've tolerated each other enough. This tolerance is not push the case aside and be angry. No. This tolerance is I have accepted you the way you are. I know I can't do anything about it. I know this is how you are. I can't change it. I still love you the way you are. We will continue. That's what this tolerance is all about. That's what it's all about. So a lot of people are not able, after this story, that's where real love now starts showing. Many people mess up at this stage. 
Then you see um, mother-in-law and father-in-law are coming to judge case inside a, um, one year of marriage, six months of marriage. My mother was saying, said, I stayed with you people all through. I never saw you people quarrel once. How do you guys, you guys doing it? You guys didn't quarrel. I said, what are we going to quarrel for? What are, we, what, are, what are we quarreling for? What is the issue? I don't see what to quarrel for. If you say what I don't like, I will keep quiet. If I say what you don't like, keep quiet too. Then I will look for a way to pass over it. We will go our way and all of that. If I do what offend you, either you just keep quiet, don't say it when things are hot, wait later when things are calm. We talk about it and we don't raise voices. We don't dare. We don't do that in my house. We talk about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's it. Sorry doesn't cost us anything. I think my wife cries says sorry more than me. But I don't have issue with saying sorry. But she says sorry more than me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And we move on. The day comes. We go. We go by. I, I, we have never, we've never, and we will never have any reason. Okay, let's lie down. You face left, you face right. We will not talk to each other. We are looking to the left. Listen, these little things are things that divide homes, and they never get back together. I'm not telling you we are the best, but I'm not telling you that we can make it work. Every other person, we can make it work. One of the things that destroys marriage is pride. Who we say first? Who we say yes first? Who we say I'm sorry first? Who we say forgive me first? Who we say um, this and that first? Who we first of all apologize? Who we first of all tell it? It's partnership. It's not one serious deal. It's not one serious deal. I help my wife take care of baby. I don't feel bad about it. It's our child, not your child. I help her take care of baby. I help her, okay, while she's holding baby, I can help her go check the food she put on fire. If not, I have somebody assisting. I, I can wash plate. Nothing will happen to me. I will still be anointed, heavily anointed. I can wash the toilet. I will still be heavily and nothing will change in my body. Nothing will change. I, I even enjoy taking care of the baby. It's our baby. I've, I think I've baited that twice myself. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed every moment of baiting her. I changed her pampas like no man's business. Change her clothes and all of that. And it's our child. But some people will have quarrel with it. They will have a fight with it. Why should I help you? Why should you give me baby? Look, a baby has wee-wee on me. Your own baby. Your own baby. Baby that you give your own baby. See your baby, we want me. You left her before you know fight. I said, blah, 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 blah. And they are divorced. Why did they divorce? Um, she left baby for me. That, that's that's the problem. Yo. Is where. Let's get back to our topic. I'm sorry I, I digressed a bit. So let me rush and let's close. So putting God first in everything we do is going to help us get established. All right? Putting God first in everything you do. That's why the Bible said, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, all of these things we are talking about, a man who does not love themselves can't love you well. A man who does not love God cannot love you well. A woman, don't marry a, a church goer, marry a Christian. Don't marry a pastor, marry a Christian. Don't marry a choir member. Look for a Christian and marry. Don't marry somebody with modest dressing. I'm not saying you should go and marry somebody who is naked. But don't look for somebody who is tying scarf, who does not have makeup. Look for a Christian and get married to. A Christian that loves Jesus. We have no choice than to treat you well. All right? 
the Christian will have no choice than to treat you well. They will have no choice. That He said, love your neighbor as yourself. So if your neighbor hates you, it is not your fault. It simply means your neighbor does not love themselves enough. So they are giving you the same amount of love that they are giving to themselves. It's simple. It's simple as ABC. And for pastor, my own is different. No, my husband, he buys good clothes for himself, but he does not give us money. No, the man does not love himself. We are not getting it. He might be buying good clothes, but inside of this man, there is bitterness in him. And this bitterness could be traced back to the mother had the mother treated the father wrongly while they were growing up, or the auntie treated the uncle badly. So she is afraid that you will also treat him the same way. So out of that hatred for what the auntie did to the uncle or the mother did to the father, he has hated himself in that regard that he too has to get married. So the best he can do is just to wear nice clothes. But deep inside, he doesn't love himself. So don't be deceived. Anybody, anyhow anybody treats you is how best they can treat themselves. Anyhow anybody love you is how best they can love themselves. So you know how much people love themselves by how they treat you. It's like somebody who in their heart, they, doesn't eat, they don't eat good food. And you, you come and you expect them to serve you well. If they serve you well, they can't do it for long. Like most of us do. When visitors are coming, we have one special plate. We have one special cup. In my house, there's no special plate, no special cup. Every day is Christmas. There's no special cloth in my wardrobe. Every day is Christmas. Every day. So when you come, we, we give you the same way we eat. It's simple. Whoever you are, you are a visitor. You we came to support. What we eat is what you will eat. That's how, we, how much we love ourselves. And we show you the same love. So anybody who is trying to pretend to love you the way they are not loving themselves, they can't sustain it for long. Very soon, it will expire. All right. If you read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it said in the beginning, God. So everything that begins with God must outlive the moment. Everything that begins with God is called the Alpha and the Omega. Is the beginning and the end. Everything that begins with God must outlive the moment. Listen, if you are chasing God for things, you will not be able to go far with God. If the reason why you are following God is because of things, you want a job, you want a marriage, you want this, you want, you will not be able to go far with God. I know people around me who in the next two years, I won't see them again. I know people around me who in the next five years, I won't see them again. I know people around me in the next 10 years, I won't see them again because what they came for is that somebody told them there's a man of God that can pray for you to get a job, to get a visa, to get a this, to get a baby, to get married. And all their approach and response has been based on that thing they came for. Some came on that ground, but along the line, they fell in love with me, and I could see how sincere their heart are. Or is English. Oh, Brofo has entered. How sincere their heart is. I can name names, but it's not necessary to avoid 
problem I cannot finish. I can name names. Why some are just there? I've seen people who were so active, so committed. The moment they got the testimony they wanted, that was the last time I saw them. The moment they got the miracle they wanted, that was the last time I saw them. My wife was even reminding me, I think yesterday or today, one told me, my wife, thank God my wife was there when I was leaving the car. Man of God, if I get this job, I will give you 200 pounds. I've been jobless for long. Man of God, please help me. I will give you. I said, don't worry. I'll pray for you now. Job is coming. And I prayed. Can I shock you? He has received the job. He has received his salaries. Not salary, salaries. Tight, I didn't see. Not talk of 200 pounds. And I've been laughing. I've been laughing. The wife said, oh, when she get pregnant, ah, what she will do for God? When she get a visa, and then, and then, and then. she got a visa. She traveled. She got uh, pregnant till now, till now. And I'm, I'm there. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But what, you, what people do to their heart in such instances is that they start making their heart to protect itself. Start making it hard to protect itself, which I am begging God not to get to that point where I now become some way because of certain people. I don't want to get to that point. I just want to be free and joyful. That's why I like to make my own money. I look for other things to do to make money. So as I'm praying for you, I'm not praying because of money. If I tell you to give seed, I'm telling you because it is right thing to do to give seed not because i needed to feed i needed to parent i needed to solve a problem no 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 so i can love you whether you give or not i will still be happy to pray for you that's what I, that's, that's me that's me so I, I look for how to make my own money to so that i'll be happy and joyful to bless you it's simple not when you don't give me, I'm angry. Ah, you didn't give me money. You didn't give me this. You didn't give me that. You didn't give me that. No, that's not what I'm here for. That's not what I'm here for. All right. So you must not follow God based on what you need. Okay? A lot of people now follow God because of visa. Now they are in U.S. They no more go to church. Now they are telling you that Christianity is fake. A lot of people followed God because of um, they wanted a car. Now they have a car and they are no more following God. Follow God for relationship. Follow God because you want to know him. Follow God because your life, your purpose and destiny depends on it. All right? If God gives you all you want now, I want to ask you a question. What will become the conviction for your continuous commitment? Now, the last time you prayed, you prayed because a demon was attacking you. Okay? The last other time you prayed, you prayed because you wanted to get married. The other time you prayed again, you prayed because um, you wanted a baby. If God gives you a baby, what will you pray for again? That means your prayer life will die. If God gives you the visa, your prayer life will die. If God gives you the wedding, your prayer life... So we know how committed... Some of you are very sacrificial now. Because you want a visa. The moment that visa drops, that's the end. I don't, I, I'm telling you, I know those who don't love me. All they are, oh, ba, 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 It's for all they want. I still like you like that, no problem. But listen, that is not the right way. Because one of the common things that happens is that problem is normal to man. It's not foreign. Issues are going to arise tomorrow again. So by the time you run, a day will come, you now realize that you still need where you run from. So what you often do is, okay, you go and look for another man of God now. That's the normal thing a lot of people do. Because they know they can't come back out of shame. 
Somebody who disappeared out of this platform because of um, is something, something that was miscommunicated and misunderstanding. She ran off and all of that. I was in a vision, and this person is now looking for a child. The person is now trusting God for the fruit of the womb, and it's not coming. And the person sat down, and suddenly she, it came to her heart that, hey, I know Pastor Norbert can do this for me. I heard her clearly said over her dead body. I heard that clearly say over her dead body. She better go and meet that pastor and that pastor and that pastor. And whatever she's angry of, I am innocent of it. People's gossip, 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 gossip. Somebody said, somebody said, somebody said. That was it. So that's fine. Just stay where you are with your own problem. So please, let your conviction be on the ground that you want to follow God. Let that be your conviction. That you want to follow God. That you want to love God. That you want to do the things of God genuinely. Not because you need a job, you need a car, you need whatever you think that you need. I beg you, in the name of God, that should be the background of your Christianity. All right, so learn to put God first in the things you do. And when you put God first, all right, when you put God first, it means you begin to obey God. Stop dragging with God. Stop disobeying God. The fear of God, you love have heard, oh, the fear of God, the fear of God. What does the fear of God mean? The fear of God is considering God first in whatever you do. That is what the fear of God is. The fear of God simply means considering God first in whatever you do. What has God said about this thing I'm about to do? What will God say? And how will God feel? Not considering God in whatever you do means you are lacking the fear of God. All right? Or you are moving out of impulse. If you have questions, go ahead and drop it. I'm teaching, so I, I will definitely answer. Not involving God is that you lack the fear of God. Not remembering to ask God or to involve God is that you lack the fear of God. All right? Not considering God is that you lack the fear of God. Not involving God is that you lack the fear of God. Not remembering to ask or involve God is that you lack the fear of God. Does it mean we don't pray for other things? Not at all. All right, that's not what it means, okay? That doesn't mean you will not pray for other things. It says, seek ye first. Get back to that scripture, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom, all right? God does not want to give you things and lose you. God wants to give you things and still have you, all right? So pray for things, but put God first in whatever you do. Does it mean we should read God's word and pray about God's leading? No, you can decide to pray for a car without having a leading. That is that what you are the question now.
you are you're asking a question, okay? But there are people who are actually living like this. They only pray for things based on if, if God is not leading me, I will not pray. If God is not leading me, um, I will not go. If God will not leading me, and you, tomorrow is Monday, all right? You have a job. So why will you go to job? Is it out of leading? No, out of moral obligation. All right? So there are things you have to do out of obligation. There are things you have to do out of leading. Okay? So you don't pray only based on what um, um, God is leading you. But in what you are asking for, find out what is the will of God. Okay, you want to get married. Do you have to wait to pray, Father, bring me one husband from Kotonu? No. You see a guy you like, then both of you start um, getting in communication. Now you now go to God and pray, Father, please, guard my heart. Do you want this guy for me or not? So God is going to give you an answer, all right? God is going to give you an answer. Most of the time, the answer God gives you is that you have this inner peace. You can't explain it. You have this inner peace. Certain things might not even be so good. But in this, in this, don't also be, say, they say oh, they say once I have inner peace, then everything is right. Also check out for character traits. If you can't tolerate certain character, you decide now whether you will follow the leading in your heart and ignore the character or this character is more important to you. For an example, there are people under the sound of my voice who cannot accommodate snoring at all. I'm sure there's one person here. I'm sure. Is there anybody like that? Who cannot accommodate snoring at, at all? If you snore, they can just cover you with pillow till you die. Then they will continue sleeping. Okay, Heidi is here. So now, Heidi meets a guy. She loves this guy. And everything is going fine. So she goes to prayer and... Um, she get this peace or she received a prophecy. This guy, his name is Paul. She confirmed by prophecy. Um, this guy is um, from uh, Tokyo. She confirms. Is, uh, this guy is an, uh, an engineer. She confirmed. The guy is five feet tall. This tall. She confirms. Oh, the guy, she's a good guy. In the next 10 years, he's going to be a millionaire and all of that. Awesome. Now, Heidi now realizes that this guy snores. What she cannot take. So now she has gotten a prophecy or she has gotten a confirmation or inner peace. Now she doesn't like snoring. So should she go by the prophecy against what she hates? That is her choice. All right? Because that marriage can break because of that snoring. Despite the prophecy, that marriage can break. If she's not able to see how to amend and say, so, okay, I'm going to let go of this snoring. I'm going to get myself... Um, this ear, earboard, or whatever it is they use to cover the ear, or pillow, or whatever, and whatsoever. That marriage can break. So she, she has to now decide whether I ignore this snoring, I will look for how to manage and marry this guy, or I don't want. God will not be angry if he didn't say, I don't want this guy because of this snoring. God will never be angry. God respects your choice when it comes to marriage. There is also a part where God said, okay, by destiny, I have an assignment for you. You need to marry this man of God. All right? But if something still happens, the man of God dies or the lady dies, that does not mean the other person will never marry again till they die. No, that happens only on few exemptions. 
Okay? But that does not mean they can't get married again. What happened is that whatever God wanted to do for that person through that marriage, the person will end up not getting it. So maybe let's say that marriage could have been what would make the person a millionaire. The person missed out that marriage. The person will still get married, be joyful. Maybe it still be rich, but will never be able to attain that realm of wealth that the person was supposed to get in that particular marriage. Which there is still an exemption. You, if you are able to go to God and deal with it by prayer, by covenant, you will also get out of it. Okay, so you have the free will to ask God for your own things, whatever you want to. But find out what is the will of God. There are times God loves you too much, He will block your answer because it's not in His will. You want to get a car, God sees that this car, God saw the car have an accident in the next two, two months. So you pray, 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 Father, I want a car. And so two people have promised you a car, you know they can afford it. And God make them to begin to forget you. Oh God, I want a car. God made them to begin to forget you. Oh God, I want a car. God, I'm seeing you're dead. Oh God, God, give me a car. Why? God said, no, I, I love you so much. I'm not going to give you that car. So God keeps the car away and allow you to leave. So you now feel sad because you are not seeing what is happening in the realms of the spirit. There are people, I'm sorry to say this, but it's true. There are people who God loves specially. There are some who God doesn't love deeply. Okay? So God can give such people the car. Say, take and they go and they buy the guy, they can't, they die. The same thing in marriage. Father, I want to marry John. I want to marry John. And God loves it too, where God will make sure that marriage will not work because God has seen. This is where prayer now comes in, you know. God can either speak to you or God will sabotage that marriage. God has seen in the future that this marriage will not help you serve him. This marriage, but a lot of us don't pray enough. I was in a relationship with a lady who had gone to see the family, what they call knocking. I've known her for a very long time. We've been friends for long. And um, I just wanted to get married to her for, for old time's sake. I know her family. I know her personally. A good girl. I didn't know much about making choices, but I just felt like, okay, uh, one general would have heard is marry your friend. She's been my friend for long. and oh, So let me just get married to her. But it got to a point, there were struggles in my spirit. Every time we are talking on the issue of marriage, it's like something is piercing my heart. Something is piercing my heart. Ah. And I felt I had an advantage that this girl could sing. She, she sings well. She even had a musical album already, goes for program to sing. Ah. And the man of God getting the singers, a wife looks like an advantage and all of that. And so I was ready to do whatever I had to do. But one day I began to give attention to the piercing in my heart that God is saying something I'm not listening to. So I went back to prayer. I said, God, I want to pray a sincere prayer to you today. God, if there's anything I'm not seeing now that is, is in this marriage, this was about four years ago now, so that's in this marriage, four or five, that will not help me. Father, make sure this marriage does not stand. That prayer is very powerful. But most of, most of the time, we are not ready for the answer. Father, make sure this marriage does not stand. And while you are praying, be careful so that you will not also have your own wrong character inside. You will spoil it and you will not say, ah, is the will of God when you are the one misbehaving. Many of us have dirty characters that we are refused to take to the laundry for cleaning up. And yet, when we pray such prayer, things get messed up. It's the will of God. Listen, listen. The will of God does not bring you into suffering. If, God, if it is God's will, when God takes that person out, God will bring you another person. So, this job, Father, if it is not your will, take it out. God not take out the job. And now, 
you are jobless, you can't feed. Even if you don't get another job immediately, God is going to look for a way to sustain you to be eaten until he now brings the next job. But this thing now happened, you can't eat, you can't drink, you can't feed, you can't pay rent, you are homeless. You are... No, there's something wrong. It's not the will of God. Check your character. It's not the will of God. Because some of us don't know that our, our visions can be manipulated, our dreams can be manipulated. We are not aware. Our character, our speech can be manipulated that you will lose your helpers. You will lose your husband. You will lose your wife. You will lose your children. So it is very possible. All right. So that's what that is in that topic. I'm sure you've gotten the answer to your question. Ooh, my time is out. All right. So I said, not considering God in anything you are doing is a sign that you lack the fear of God. Not involving God in what you are doing is a sign that you lack the fear of God. Not remembering God to ask or to involve is also a, a sign that you lack the fear of God. 2024, involve God in all you do. Somebody said, I will put God first. Come on, can you say that with me right now? Say 2024, I will put God first. Say 2024, I will put God first. Come on, declare that with me right now. 2024, I will put God first. And this is why God gave us the covenant of first fruits. A lot of us are not ready or willing to obey the covenant of first fruit. And that is not putting God first. In January, you don't pay tight. All of your income in January belongs to God. In January, you don't pay tight. All of your income belongs to God. So you see people, oh, I love God. Father, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. But we are not obeying God. And I'm going to tell you the risk and the advantage of these things. Okay, let me see if I can run through and get to the third point and let's close and pray. Number two is, if you want to get established, teach others. All right? Teach others the things God has taught you to put God first, to obey God, to love God. Teach others. Second Timothy 2 verse 2. Second Timothy 2 verse 2. Listen, let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. Don't get your heart seared with iron in the things of God. Be, let your heart be like that of a baby. Let God explore through your life. Learn the things of God. Don't short one path and open another path. Oh God, you know, I have bills to pay. How will I survive? Oh God, I've never done this before. Oh, I won't, I won't try it to. Ah, you want to kill me? It starts in one day. I started it in one day. I started it in, I started it in one day. Whatever, fasting, prayer, prophecy, giving. I started it in one day. I started it in one day. Can we get scriptures? Second Timothy 2, 2. And the thing that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. So this thing you are hearing, teach people that we teach people. Listen, listen, listen now. Listen, let me say this to us. In Christianity, you did not come to get born again to sit down. This is where a lot of us say church is boring because you are idle for God. Okay? You did not, you were not called, you were not saved to become idle. You were saved to save others. You were saved to teach others. So what you are hearing now, if you can't understand it, process it, and teach other people, then you are not qualified to hear what you are hearing. In fact, it's a crime for you to hear this if you will never teach another person. 
It's a crime. It's a crime. If you will never teach. He said, what you have heard, you have received. Commit it. Get me James 3 verse 1. Let's run through very quick. James 3 verse 1. It's a crime. You must grow in the things of God and commit others to help them grow. It is called discipleship. That is the pattern of the gospel. Raise disciples to go and raise other disciples. Let me ask you a question. Somebody invited you to this platform and you've been blessed. Who else have you invited? Somebody invited you to prayer conference, camp meeting. You've been blessed. Who else have you invited? James 3 verse 1, not verse 3. Somebody shared this link with you. You heard the teaching. You were blessed. Who else have you shared the teaching with? Somebody led you to Christ. Who else have you led to Jesus? Somebody told you about giving and you saw miracles. You saw prosperity. Who else have you taught? Don't be greedy with the gospel. Let it go. Share it out. James 3 verse 1 says, my, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Can I get a different version in James 3 verse 1? Can I get a different version? NIV, NLT. So what this thing is saying, what this scripture is actually saying is that um, when you become somebody who already have knowledge, your condemnation is bigger when you begin to live in sin. All right? A few days ago, somebody, I was talking with somebody who is a pastor and he was telling me how and why Deborah has said that many of you should become teachers in the church. Okay? Deborah has said that not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Okay? So what this scripture is simply saying is that there is a level you grow to. Certain mistakes are not expected or accepted of you. All right? There is a level you grow to. Certain mistakes are not expected or accepted of you. How? At my daughter's age, she's just five months. If she pee on the bed, of course, I'm going to clean it up and do whatever I can to clean her up. Even if she poo on the bed, she pours milk on the bed, I'll clean her up. But if she gets to five years and she poo on the bed, of course, she's going to take some nice lashes on her bum bum. Because five years child is old enough to know how to go to the loo. So while you were, while you were a child in, God, in Christ, there are things that are handed to you. But while you begin to grow, there are things you must know not to deal with carelessly. TPT says, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, don't be so eager to become a teacher in the church since you know that we who teach are held to a higher standard of judgment. So higher standard of judgment, both in the physical world and the spiritual. Look around the world today. If a politician does anything, people don't react much. They just talk and they let it go. If um, an engineer does something, it's not much of a big deal. If uh, a doctor does something, it's not much of a big deal. But let a man of God do something now. Let something happen now. Let something happen now. And a man of God is the one that did it. Oh, dear Lord, you will know that pastor's case is special. So the moment you find yourself at the forefront of the gospel, you become the first target. You become the first target. But generally, what the scripture is pointing towards, there are things you don't do when you get to a certain level 
all right it comes with a different penalty matthew 28 19 to 20 matthew 28 19 to 20 and a lot of us what is what we are doing now we refuse to grow when we get this kind of knowledge we refuse to grow so that you will not get those penalty let me shock you now your growth your agreeing to grow or rejecting to grow does not change it for the fact that your maturity is not just tested by how long you've been in church, how long you've been in church, or how long you've done this and all. No, your maturity is also tested by how long you followed. You've been a Christian now for twenty years. God expects you by now. You should be doing certain things like this. You and the person who is also doing it, we receive the same level of discipline. You refuse to grow. It's not anybody's fault. All right, go ye therefore and teach all nations. All right, go ye therefore teach all nations. This is this is for Christians, for Christians. The moment you grow, you have to become a teacher, teach people the Bible. But listen, you must be accurately tutored so that you will not teach wrong doctrines. All right, be accurately tutored so that you will not teach wrong doctrines. There are things I can't share. On my Facebook Facebook page, there are things I can't share on my WhatsApp status. One day, I shared something on my Facebook page, and my pastor called me instantly. Delete it now, Charlie. Straight, I went to remove it. I shared something on my WhatsApp status. My pastor that um, taught me all the way from Nigeria posted and said this is wrong. I deleted it very fast. I have people that watch my status. I have um, um, my, my pastor that I grew with, Reverend Goodwin, watch my status. Prophet Emmanuel J. watch my status. Um, pastor Divine, watch my status. Bishop James Sir, watch my status. I can count at least seven father figures and mentors in my life who are looking at my status 247. So I can't, this is what accountability does for you. But many of you don't want to be accountable, so you can post anything you like on Facebook. You can share anything you like on WhatsApp. We, you don't. Even, there's nothing. You don't feel bad about it. You are dying without knowing. You are going astray without you knowing. You have to submit yourself to account. That is, I will see some people. I, I won't talk because this one is not accountable to me. But that is, I will see some people share. I will fire them. I will not wait. Some crowd they won't even share because they know I'm watching their status. They will share. So accountability helps you to be careful and help guide your life on the right path. So go forth and teach. Go forth and teach. You must be a teacher. Let's get Matthew 5 verse 19. Quick, 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 quick. Matthew 5 verse 19. Some crowd, they have blocked me in their WhatsApp status so that they can share their bikini videos. I know them. I know them. They blocked me. You blocked me. One blocked me not knowing I was viewing her from my second line. I viewed from my second line and I called her. Even my younger brother, Kara, blocked me not knowing I had him on my second line. I called him. I said, why did you post this? No, he didn't post it. I sent him a screenshot. The guy shocked. He posted a girl's picture. So he blocked me. He, he knows me. You, if you, ah, you post a girl. I'm paying your school fee. You are posting a girl. Who are you? I'm the one paying your school fee. You are pasting a girl. As what now? For what? With what? If I catch you. 
you, you will explain. You will explain who the person is. So he blocked me. I saw him on my eye. Screenshot it fast. I saw it on my other line. Screenshot it. I asked, oh, there's nobody. Did I forwarded the picture. Chai, the guy got tired. Uh, bros, don't be like that now. And I just said, I said if, I, if I catch you again, not share that nonsense. Another one posted um, um, lyrics of one uh, song, secular song, like that and all of that. I said, I said, I never see you. I've not seen your life post Christian this thing. Oh, bro, they post. I said, never see, I've not seen you. Remove this thing now, fast. If not, that's the end of your school fees. You've just posted your school, your final school fees. That's what you posted. Can I get that scripture? Let's go. Can I get that scripture? Matthew 5 is 19. It is not control. It is to help you. All right? Nobody wants to. Me, I'm looking for how to control my life. Start controlling you. It's to guide you and to help you. Whosoever therefore, look at this now. Look at this very important thing. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so. All right? So anybody who breaks certain of the commandments, if you go back, you see he was talking about certain of the commandments from verse 15 to 18. Spoke about certain commandments you must not break. He said, anyone that break it and teach others to do so. Look at what happened. He said, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven, but whosoever shall do and teach the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So if you begin to sin and teach others to sin, he said you are in trouble. If you begin to do good and teach others to do good, you have a reward. So you must be a teacher, but what are you teaching? That is the problem. Okay. Hebrews 10, 26 to 31. Very quick, let's go. So what the scripture is saying, there's a curse when you deliberately teach people how to disobey God, offend God. There are most of us who have a very bad attitude. You have an issue with the church. You have an issue with the departmental leader. You don't want to work. And you are telling others not to work. That is witchcraft. The judgment of God, eh, when it comes on you, you will not escape. Some will not give in a church. They will tell others not to give. If it's me, I won't give. Oh, for what? I will like give and give and give. If you will not give, sit down on your own and keep quiet. If you will not pray, sit down and keep quiet. If you will not join to buy the chairs or the fan, sit down and keep quiet. If you will not join to clean the church, sit down. Don't make other people not to do it. That is where God now begins to fight you. Hebrews 10, 26 down to 31, it says, If we sin willfully, okay, when we begin to disobey willfully now, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fairy indignation, which shall devour the adversaries, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. So he's saying those who even broke the law of Moses, they died. What about those that broke the law higher than the law of Moses? Verse 29, of how much sorrow punishment, suppose ye, shall he be, be thought worthy, who had trodden under their foot the Son of God, and had counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified and holy thing, and had done despite unto the spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belong unto me, for our recompense here the Lord. And again, 
the Lord shall judge his people. Verse 331, a fearful thing, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. So what the scripture is saying, when you begin to sin with knowledge, you know this is wrong and you begin to do. He said the judgment is now different from the people who don't know it is wrong. But the main context of this scripture, all right, who is saying that, look at what he said in verse 1, it is true, okay? Whosoever, 19, sorry, right? No, not 19. 26, the first we read. For if we sin we fully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. What it simply means is that the blood of Jesus will not speak for you again. But this truth that he's talking of here is talking about receiving Jesus. Okay? Generally, there is a different response to God when somebody knows this is sin and they do. And for somebody who doesn't know. But majorly, what it is talking about is those who got born again and now they deny Jesus that they will not be Christians again. He said there is no more mercy for them. There is no more mercy for them. The mercy is finished. There is no more blood to wash them. The sacrifice that Jesus did, they are no more part of it. Any sin they commit from that moment, they are treated as much as every other person treated. So, that is what this is talking about. Let's get um, Luke 22, 30 to 32. Luke 22, 30 to 30. Is somebody learning something tonight? Are you learning something tonight? Are you learning something tonight? Luke 22, 30, 31, and 32. All right. That ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, on, said Simon, Simon, behold, Satan desired to have you, that he may sift you as wit. But I prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. All right? So what I'm pointing to you, now don't forget our point number two, is that you um, you have to teach others. So what he's saying, Simon, when you are converted, do what? Strengthen thy brethren. Okay? If you escape the life of sin, don't watch others sin or begin to judge them. Start teaching them how to also escape it. If you, if you used to be somebody, the devil used to afflict you. Demons used to oppress you and all kind of things and all kind of things. And you have now escaped it. And you see others who demons are afflicted. Don't prescribe drugs for them or tell them, oh, it will be well. No, show them what to do. You should not be stagnated as a believer. All right? Once you grow, and once you grow, you must take responsibility to also help others to grow. The moment you grow, get me Hebrews chapter 5, 12 to 13. Hebrews 5, 12 to 13. Hebrews 5, 12 to 15, sorry. 12, 13, 14, 15. Some of you now, you are running from responsibility in church. 
Some of you don't want to be some school teachers. Some of you don't want to be leaders in the choir. Some of you don't want to be leaders in the media, in the technical, in the prayer group. With all the teachings you are receiving, with all the teachings you are receiving, it is not a good thing. Okay, let's read the scripture. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principle of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need for milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. For strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and both evil. So Paul's complaint is that there are a group of people in the church, by now you should have been a teacher, but yet you are still waiting that somebody else has to teach you. So a time is supposed to come on this platform, even in our physical meeting, I'm like, okay, I have an emergency, I have to preach somewhere, I can't come. I can just say, okay, Bella, you are, you are preaching tonight without any issue. Mausenam, you will preach tomorrow without any issue. Um, uh, Marilyn, you will be the one to lead prayer on Tuesday. And by the time I come back, there won't be, oh, um, the thing was basa basa. It should be as it was supposed to be. Because why? Somebody took it upon themselves to grow. That is what Paul is saying. You that is supposed to have grown to be, how come now you've been in church for 10 years? Somebody is still explaining fasting to you for 10 years. How come you've been a Christian for 10 years? Somebody still explaining tithing to you. Somebody still have to explain to you. Some of you know it, but you don't do. So it means you don't even know it enough. Because if you know it and you respect God and trust God, somebody should not be forcing you to tithe. Somebody should not be forcing you to give first fruits. Somebody should not be forcing you to uh, fast or to pray. Nobody should be forcing you. You ought to be teachers by now. I said this year, I'm, going to, I'm not going to take serious teaching on first fruit because I've been teaching it. The reason why I keep going back, okay, we have some new persons, so let me just get by it. If I thought there's need to teach it, I could just, okay, um, okay, um, um, because um, Anne has been um, committed to first fruit and she has heard me teach it again and again, by now, I'm just giving an example. By now, she should, so Anne, you'll be teaching tonight on first fruit so that the new persons can understand it. But if she's been there, she's been on, let's say, two, three years, and she had not even done first fruit once, she had not even, um, she's still asking, so this first fruit, if I give it now, how will I eat this month of January? So if I give it now, how will I drink water? So how will I now, that means she's not qualified to teach it, then she's called, she should be called a babe, according to Paul. She should be called a baby. Okay? She should be called a baby. You've got, you've got to get matured in the things of the kingdom. Somebody say in the name of Jesus, from today, I begin to consciously take my growth serious. Say from today, I take my growth serious consciously. From today, I take my growth serious consciously. Take your spiritual growth serious. Take it serious. This thing is part of your life. It's part of your destiny. It is not just one pastor's assignment, one pastor. It's part of your destiny. When you're supposed to be teachers, you need somebody to start. Now, how long have you been in church that we have to start explaining to you again how to forgive? 
How long have you been in church that we have to explain to you again how to uh, pay tithe? How long have you been in church that we have to still be explaining to you how you, have, you must not marry an unbeliever, you have to only marry a Christian? Ever pastor, the guy is coming to church, but this guy, there's no Christian character in him. There's no Christian character in him. What other does he attend? Um, I don't really know. A Christian, you want to marry somebody, and you didn't even ask, do you attend church? Oh, the, but the guy is fine. No problem. Listen now, listen, listen. Listen carefully. I don't know why I'm talking so much on marriage today. I don't understand what's going on. Look, listen now. Unbelievers, don't they get married and have a good marriage? Yes. You don't need prayer to get a good marriage. You don't need church to get a good marriage. There are unbelievers who are married. They don't fight. All right? It's important we put the balance to it. They don't fight. And some of you know a lot of them. They don't quarrel. They don't nothing. No. They are fine, happy. In fact, some of them are your, your models. Some are celebrities. Some are just influencers who are influencing you. They are your mentors and models and whatever you would call them. Okay. But listen now. You that is a Christian, picking a man who is not a Christian, you can't do the things of God. You will not be able to obey God. This is one of the risks, first of all. Okay? You can't do the things of God. Some are going to tell you, hey, why, why, are, you, why are you going to? Oh, we have vigil. V what? Oh, so that you will not go and not be sleeping with that choir leader. So that you will not go, okay, you are not going anywhere. And before this guy married you, you were the person who is holding the church key. You are the one who cleaned the church. You are the one, in fact, that was how the door of marriage opened. Now, the guy is now the one telling you, you can't go to church. Oh, um, it's January. I have to give my first fruit. The guy said, if you give your first fruit, oh, you have to go and carry your money and give to pastor. If I, if I find that you gave it, you are, you'll be out of this home. So if you're listening to me now online, you are in this situation. Your husband will not allow you to give first fruit. The husband will not allow you to give tithe. So some of you give seed, you have to hide. You have to hide behind your husband because if your husband finds out that you gave 1,000, ordinary 1,000, if he finds out, then he will call all your village people together. You have to come and summon you and explain why you gave. And the salary, nice, even your salary, the money you worked for. You have to come and explain why you gave church 1,000 Ghana cities. So these are part of the reasons to keep your Christian journey. So the unbelievers have no Christian journey. That person, you saw them peaceful and in their own statement, they are joyful. They don't have a Christian purpose. They don't have a pursuit. So let's assume you now pick that person. I love the light. You now realize that God called you. You have to be a pastor, a deacon, an elder, a deaconess, and whatsoever. So God called you to be a pastor, a prophetess. How will you answer the call with your husband, who does not believe in Christ, who does not go to church. So imagine Shatawale married somebody before he became popular, and the lady he got married to also does not know that she has the call of God. I'm, I'm sorry for using the example, okay? I don't know where this audio will get to. So that somebody will say, ah, this pastor is talking against Shatawale. That's not my intention at all. Just an example, all right? So the lady now realized after marriage, um, she has the call of God. Shatawali now realized that after marriage, he had the call to be a superstar. And now he's doing, let's say he's drinking, he's smoking, doing a lot of ladies. And this woman now have now realized her call and all of that. Do you know that marriage will break? That marriage will not work. 
Is it God? No. The problem is somebody lower the standard to get married. Now the person is rich, but the person does not have the moral standard of the Christian life. Are you getting? Am I alone, or you've left? I've left you, or you left me? Are you with me? All right. So you must be taught right, so that your zeal will not destroy you or make you shame the gospel. All right. The gospel is good news, not bad news. You don't share. Listen. You don't just share revelations or visions when you go for evangelism or you are preaching. You share the gospel. You share the good news to people. Not, I see, I saw, I dreamt. No, you preach the Bible.